So just to start off, I just thought I'd mention, I mentioned this to you the other day, but I just thought it was a cool thing to bring up that uh, the episode we did about the Beatles, where we went through David Bennett's video about the eight things the Beatles pioneered. I just thought it was cool to mention that uh, that he commented on the video because he watched it and he liked it. And I just thought that was cool. I think that's very cool, too. Yeah, because as I was saying the other day, like uh, that video, you know, it's only been up a little bit. It doesn't have a lot of views yet. So for him to have found it, it was almost certainly the YouTube... Uh, identifying system that tells you when someone's using your stuff probably alerted him like hey someone's using your clips go make sure this thing is okay because like yeah when i saw the notification i'm like oh someone commented that's cool and then i saw his name and i was like well i didn't expect that but then my natural i've had enough bad run-ins with people on the internet that my first little worry was like uh oh i hope he's not gonna be mad that we just chopped up his video and used it in our video but it was the exact opposite he thought it was interesting especially to hear uh you know, someone who was into the Beatles and someone less into the Beatles and trying to, he said he was happy to, to bridge the gap a little. <laughs> you know? uh, we're happy for him too. So thank you, David, for listening. Yeah, that was, uh, that was pretty cool. Uh, also, a guy named Steve commented on our Hancock's Half Hour video, and I just thought this was, you know, something that is probably applicable to a lot of our stuff. But he, because I was especially hard on poor Tony Hancock's character for, uh, handing over all his money that he won from all those, um, you know, those newspaper things. And his friend just uh, flimflams him into giving over all his money and that it wasn't a double, triple cross. There was no like, oh, actually Hancock knew what he was doing. He really was just that dumb. So this guy, Steve, pointed out like... Well, let's call him naive. Let's not call him dumb. Let's uh, be nice. See, naive. Well, I mean, maybe this is why <laughs> this uh, Steve guy felt like he had to comment because yeah i wasn't nice and i still am not nice to him like what a fucking moron <laughs> but, yeah, but that's it james is such a con artist too <laughs> but uh this guy steve though pointed out this is a recurring aspect of mm. hancock's character or whatever but yeah i'm sure if we watched all of the the whole run you know yeah you'd take it a different way and i just thought that was interesting to bring up because that probably is something with like when there is a first episode of something that's available, I try to go with the first episode because even though it's not usually the best episode, at least everyone's coming in on the same page where when you do jump in halfway, we're probably doing some of these shows somewhat of a disservice because we're just dipping our toe in. And uh, yeah, we don't have the same overview of it that an actual fan of these shows has. <laughs> yeah, because they would see them grow from the initial what you think is dumb. And as Tony's character develops, you probably get a little more sympathetic to right. his plight. Yeah, so you'd be like, oh, classic Tony, there he is, yeah. putting, putting his foot in it again. again. Whereas I'm like, what a, what a moron. <laughs> so maybe a it little bit. They never learn. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a little unfair. But they don't. They don't in those stories. Right, right. They, they have a theme that travels all the way through, and it's always basically that same idea. And, yeah, they never seem to learn. <laughs> And I mean, I guess that's a sitcom trope, too, just because the shows aren't going to necessarily be rerun in order and stuff. Like, everything has to reset every week. No one can actually learn anything. And I bet that Sid James is in the future ones, too. And that's when you kind of have to say, like, man, like, how many times do you have to be burned by this guy? I know he's a real good con artist, but don't you get it? Right. He's a con artist. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was going to say about, uh, about that idea of how sitcoms always have to reset. Every time, I think the, like the most extreme example is there's this episode of The Simpsons that's very uh, divisive because they find out Principal Skinner is not Principal Skinner, that there was a real Principal Skinner who uh, was lost and presumed dead in the war. 
and our principal Skinner is named Armin Tanzarian, and he takes over Principal Skinner's uh, identity. It's actually the exact same thing that happened in Mad Men. You know that Don Draper is actually taking the identity yeah. of a different. But in The Simpsons, they they don't like the real Principal Skinner. He's just not. They just don't like him. He doesn't fit in with the community. So they tie him up and put him on a railroad thing and send him out of town. And then they <laughs> they decree that no one will ever bring this up again under penalty of death. And everyone cheers. <laughs> so everything's back to normal next week. And yeah, it's like at that point, you can't get more extreme than that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I mean, I love that episode, but a lot of people point to that as the point when the Simpsons went too ridiculous. And, you know. <laughs> But, but that is what happens in TV shows. Like, nobody learns a goddamn thing. But speaking of not learning a goddamn thing, so I thought for this week, because... I, oh, I also wanted to mention, that guy Steve who commented, he also pointed me in the direction of some other shows, like the, uh, the team that wrote Hancock's Half Hour, they went on to do other shows, and he pointed those out to me. So they're in the docket, you know? Like, uh, they're not immediately on my list, but they're the, I got them ready to go, so at some point we can explore that. Because, uh, yeah, I was also telling you the other day how I looked in a little more carefully to Tony Hancock and, like, why did Sid James go off to do all these carry-on films and and Tony Hancock's nowhere to be seen and then committed suicide, you know, like, eight years later. And, yeah, it was just, like, real, real severe alcoholism. Like, as you read through his biography, it's like, okay, he uh, had a falling out with Sid James, stopped working with him. He had a falling out with these this team of writers and... Uh, was never as popular without these people surrounding him. Like he had, he had his dream team and he kept pushing people away. And, uh, yeah, by the end, apparently he had, uh, just such bad, like cirrhosis of the liver or whatever it's called that doctors were saying, like, if you don't quit drinking, you're going to be dead within like three months or something. It was that close. And at that point he was like, well, is, I'm not going to be able to quit. <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> and he killed himself. So pretty, pretty bleak, yeah. pretty sad. But along with that whole bleak tale of like, okay, so Tony went this way, the two writer guys went this way, Sid James went over to the Carry On films, and since I like to just kind of uh, keep the show a little loose of like whatever happened last week, let's move on to next week and let's, let's just sort of amble around and generally it sort of works out. So I was like, you know, last week we really did talk about the Carry On films a lot, and I've always heard about them and I've never seen them. And we've never watched a whole movie. That's a lot longer. We usually just watch shows on this podcast, like a little half hour, maybe an hour long show. But if you're in for the whole run, why don't we watch a Carry On movie? Because I want to see one. Sure. I haven't seen one for years, so sure. So since this is so long, you know, it's a whole hour and a half, I figure we could split it in half. We'll watch the first 40 minutes, 45. Well, we'll see how deep we get. And then take a break, go get something to eat. (laughs) And uh, yeah, we'll do our intermission thoughts and then we'll finish it off separate so it'll be more like watching two shows instead of a whole long movie all right well get ready for some cornball yeah so uh let me tell you what i got to my my facts of carry on because i did learn that's one thing i love about all this is learning about weird random things so uh there were 30 carry on films from 1958 to 1978 and then one revival film in 1992 but that one didn't have a lot of the original cast and no one liked it (laughs) so it barely counts but technically they did one more. And right away, this is where it starts. I start getting hit with these weird facts that I didn't know that are interesting. 
so they said uh, on the wiki page for the Carry On films that the humor is based on the British common tradition of Victorian music halls. So you're like, okay, sure, you know, just different variety show, comedy, probably somewhat body or whatever. But speaking of body, also, the tradition of body seaside postcards. Have you ever heard of that shit? Body seaside postcards. <laughs> yeah, in fact, I guess I'll bring some up because they're... Okay, well, you always kind of have, when they talk about people going to Brighton, which is on the sea, it's always kind of that there's a lot of, like, shows going on and, and not real high class. So that's the closest I can come to something like that. And body, we mean B-A-W-D-Y, I presume, right. instead of B-O-D-Y. Right. So, yeah, these things, uh, they really are what, what it says on the tin, body seaside postcards. It was... They started, you know, in these uh, seaside tourist towns, like, hey, buy some postcards, send them home, souvenir type shit. And then just gradually as part of the array, it's like, well, why don't we, uh, you know, we're on the beach. We got, you know, ladies in swimsuits and stuff. Why don't we make some postcards of like, oh, here's the one with the lady on the postcard. And those ones were way more popular. And it became this whole thing. This is another one of these things that probably everybody in England of a certain age knows what these things are. But I never heard of them before. They were so famous, particularly this one guy, Donald McGill, his were really famous. He made 12,000 different postcard designs, sold over 200 million cards in small shops in British seaside towns. Those are things people will do for seeing a little bit of skin. Yeah. <laughs> and then in the 1950s, a bunch of local councils organized a mass cleanup because they're like, these are too body. These aren't mm -hmm. appropriate. And it's actually a little bit of a sad story, his story, because he had this like empire going and it just got destroyed by this dumb moral majority nonsense. They kind of remind me of like, just like the comics that would be in like, Playboy magazine or something? Oh, yes. Look at her. Her skirt's flipping up a little bit. Yeah, so I'll just flip through some of them real quick. But it's this type of oh, thing. Oh, yes, the like, bikini. So, yeah, this is just a, an example of what I'm talking about. But, yeah, and, you know, just dumb jokes like a, a lady holding, you know, like a, a busty lady holding two uh, dogs. And, you know, the guy's like, that's quite a pair you have there, madam. You know, it's just that type of shit. But anyway, so this is kind of the where the carry-on type of humor came from. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, yeah, so... Yeah, but they're a little racy. So, yeah, an interesting thing to learn about, because, again, I'm sure, I'm oh, sure anybody... I have anybody, to go on there and read those ones. Yeah, the body seaside postcards. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, no, and it's just funny, too, that that's what, in the 50s, it's like, we can't have these, we have to get rid of them. But, where, see, that's what I'm saying when people say, well, they're going to the seaside. Right. And that's what I connect when I'm watching old British shows and they're going to Brighton. Uh, which now has got all kinds of well, it's like it's like a big resort, and it's got the 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 rides and all that stuff. Like a carnival and that type yeah. of yeah. But my idea of it, when I read a lot of, especially stuff from the fifties and sixties and the thirties and the forties, is when people go to Brighton, it's because they're going to see some sex. They're mm -hmm. going to have a really good time and have a racy good time. It's not just. Uh, you know, going off to some quiet little sedate, classy type place. It's kind of like a little low life. <laughs> yeah, it seems <laughs> almost... to go because it's, hey, fun. <laughs> and isn't it kind of, it's, yeah, it's sort of counterintuitive to the North American view where to us it's like like when we visited like New York in, uh, I guess that was like the early 90s, was that? That we drove to Florida and passed through New York? Passed through New York, yeah. Uh, and, you know, that's the like, oh, the big seedy town full of porn shops and stuff where it's, like, you would kind of think maybe London would be the place where you'd find the body postcards, but no, it's the seaside towns. It's very it's sort of different. It's reverse. 
Uh, well, so, people wouldn't be running around London in their swimsuits, though. Yeah, right. <laughs> but at the seashore, woo! Yeah, yeah. anything goes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's, uh, I mean, that alone, like that's what I like about looking up stuff. Even if all I learn out of this is about those, like interesting. <laughs> I didn't know about that. That's cool. And yeah, just that those things too, like that were just, uh, you know, in the fifties, they're like, oh, this is scummy stuff. We got to get rid of it. But now because of that, they're super valuable. If you have any of the original ones, they're collector's items and like they're, they're neat now. They're recognized as artistically, you know, valid. They have merit, but not back then. It's like, oh my God, how can you make a joke about the huge, you know, sex. <laughs> how dare you? So uh, with the Carry On films, it's the largest number of films of any British film series. Number two is James Bond with 25 films. I'm sure James Bond will catch up, though, because James Bond is still going. But yeah, 30 films for Carry On. That's pretty pretty intense. Pretty impressive. And the name comes from just that the very first film was called Carry On Sergeant, which is just a common military phrase. Carry on, corporal, carry on, whatever. Whatever your normal duties are, don't worry about me walking by, even though I'm your commanding officer, just carry on. So... It made sense in the first one. And then they just kept, you know, using that same thing and just, you know, it's sort of like carry on nurse, whatever. It's getting a little like you wouldn't say that, but it makes sense. And at this point, we're going to watch carry on camping. That's no one says that. That means nothing. It's just the carry on movie about camping. <laughs> so, which speaking of carry on camping, this is from 1969. It's the 17th carry on film. And the reason I chose this one is I looked up a bunch of different top lists. And this isn't usually the top one, but it's in everybody's top five. Everyone agrees this is one of the best ones. And it was voted number one in, let me see, oh, it was the most popular film at the box office that year. But they did a survey in the Daily Mirror in 2008, and it was voted the nation's favorite carry-on film. So it's in every critic's list somewhere, and it was voted by the people as the best one. So how bad can it be? <laughs> And the little bit, I just, you know, looked into this a little bit, make sure it works or whatever, and check it out. And that dude, Sid James, from uh, that we saw last week in Hancock's Half Hour, you know how, uh, I think we've commented before, how weird it is in sitcoms that you get the, uh, like, hilarious character making all the, the wisecracks, but no one ever laughs and no one ever reacts? The little bit I've seen of these clips of these carry-on films, that guy, Sid James, it's weird where people don't necessarily laugh at his jokes, but he laughs at his own jokes. He's so fucking obnoxious. Like, I guess we'll see if he's like that in this one too, but, you know. Well, he's very much like, when we saw Hancock's Half Hour, he's very much that character in these carry-ons, and I suspect that that's him. Right. That is the personality of that man, and he's not really playing a part that is foreign to him, but that would make him a great actor. But he plays himself, and he plays himself well, because anything I've ever seen him in, he's that character, and that's why he stands out. As soon as you see him, you say, oh, yeah, that's Sid James. Yeah, I did always think, too, it's a little overrated. Like, it's neat when you get people like Gary Oldman that can just be a chameleon and do whatever. But hey, maybe you are only good at one thing, but if you're really good at it, just that's fine. <laughs> just do that one thing. So uh, I thought, too, I would just uh, run down the names of the top stars because so many of these movies had the same people. I don't know any of these names, but I thought I'd just run them by you to see if you know any of them ahead of time. So obviously, uh, Sid James, Kenneth Williams. Oh, yes, tall, thin, thin guy and real, real effeminate. Okay. Uh, Charles Hawtrey. I uh, can't say that one jumps out of me. Joan Sims. Oh, yes. Joan Sims, blonde, uh, heavy set, but kind of always places little, kind of little sexy type. 
Uh, Terry Scott. Terry Scott. No, that name doesn't ring. Hattie Jacques. Oh, Hattie Jakes. Oh, Hattie Jakes. Hattie Jakes, big woman, great big woman, who uh, dark hair and uh, always plays kind of the sensible type. She's a sensible type woman, and she's a real foil for Sid James. You can really hear my French school coming through with that, right? Hattie Jacques. Like, there's <laughs> this uh, really popular thing in the States now. It's like uh, flavored water, but it has no calories, and it's called La Croix. But it's not. They call it LaCroix. And I'm like, okay, I guess neither of those words make sense. We're both ignoring the X. But how do you get LaCroix out of that? Anyway, I thought it was LaCroix, but I'm just painfully French. Uh, Barbara Windsor. Can't place her. Bernard Breslau. No, can't place him. And Peter Butterworth. No. Still, though, that's not bad. You knew, like, three of them. Probably when I look at them, though, I'll say, oh, that guy. Oh, yeah, that guy. Oh, that guy. But I just didn't know their names. Yeah, of course. All right, so yeah, let's watch uh, Carry On Camping, and we'll break halfway through for our our midway break thoughts, and then finish it off afterward. Yeah, and the nice thing, too, about these is uh, they all exist, you know, because they were movies, and it's just a lot easier, I think, to keep track of movies that were on film in the first place. So uh, none of these, as far as I know, are lost. As I say, get ready for some cornball, because here she comes. (laughs) That's a weird. <laughs> I'm sure it's just a coincidence, but. <laughs> no. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> this guy's having one hell of a time. Got the buckshot in his ass. <laughs> Fire. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's like a good halfway point. Jeez, yeah, that's actually like dangerous. Like, that's the kind of thing they would just CG now, but he had to actually light his own butt on fire and go sit in some like if that went wrong so yeah i think we're at the halfway point everything's converging but uh yeah i think what impresses me about you know this type of movie or like naked gun and they still try to make movies like this but they're just not that good anymore but it really is just the relentlessness of it like it doesn't actually need to be especially clever or especially funny as long as it's just non-stop you just have to laugh at it eventually you just have to you know and it really does impress me, like, how there's never a scene that just ends. You know, you're waiting for this something to happen, and then something always does happen. And I think that's, like, underrated, like, how hard it is to write something with this many jokes. Yeah, and the double meaning. Everything, you really have to listen to it. Yeah. Because sometimes you, you know that you've missed it. Yeah, there's definitely a couple I didn't yeah. get. But yeah. then there's, like, the... Uh, Okay, girls, two to a room, and the super big-breasted chick, like, I don't seem to have a pair. <laughs> oh, well, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> you know, like, it's not all clever. <laughs> but it's funny, too, like, I feel like uh, there's, like, British society makes this kind of joke really work because you can have these, like, 
really hoity-toity guys, like in just this very, very well. You know, like you can't really even have that character in North America because it'd be like, who is this guy? <laughs> well, and they don't get hung up on a lot of stuff. Like the opening scene where they were in the movies and here were all these people very strategically placed so that you never saw their front. You saw tits and ass, but you never saw private parts because they were all just placed just so, moving around, though moving around. Nudity was just so, I mean, the women were very upset by it, but it was just, oh, yeah, we were watching a bunch of nudes here. Yeah. And it was all just very casual. Uh, same thing when you see a car stops and somebody just doesn't get out of a car. There's always some gorgeous-looking girl walking down the street with either a very short little pair of shorties on or pants so tight that she could probably had to, you know, pour herself into them. And, and just little little innuendos all the time about sex. Sex. And, and sex. yeah, and it really does kind of build like a, a little world where either you're a henpecked man or a horn dog man or a sort of battle axe woman or a super hot chick. <laughs> and that's kind of it. That's the world. <laughs> but there's never any real, there's quite a comfort level with producing that stuff. And you see that oftentimes in British. Uh, movies where they don't seem to be hung up about that sort of thing, whereas a lot of North Americans would be, oh my goodness, we can never show that. And, also, and they're serious about it. These guys say you can never show it, but they're laughing about it and they're joking about it while they're saying that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know it's uh, well-trod territory, but it is very true that like America in particular, what a bizarre version of being puritanical where it's like we can't talk about sex we can't talk about nudity but everyone's allowed to have a gun and please shoot someone <laughs> you know like i know that's a little unfair but is it <laughs> it kind of is how they are so yeah it's nice to see just other cultures that feel differently i also kind of think it's interesting just that late 60s and 70s vibe of even like the nudist uh movie they're watching at the beginning so that's the plot it's just uh sid james and his friend are dating these chicks who haven't, uh, they haven't managed to hook up yet. So he took them to this movie about a nudist camp, and he's like, ah, we're going to take the birds to a nudist camp, and once everyone's nude, you know, things will happen. But even that movie full of, like, nude people are kind of just, like, normal people, you know, like, relatively normal looking, because, like, when I grew up, my era was, like, the Pam Anderson era, you know? Like, if you're going to have a movie like this, it's the most super perfect plastic person you know with the super breast job and everything is like a cartoon person where here it's just like yeah just some people you know they're not bad looking but they're not like amazing they're just some naked people <laughs> so even that's kind of neat because that just sort of went away and uh and yeah i do really like like just the the obnoxious sid james joke where then he laughs but just the stupid shit like uh the, you know, matronly old mother is like, I've got some grave misgivings about you, said James. He's just like, I should put some talcum powder on them. <laughs> and then he, like, laughs at everyone, but nobody else laughs. But we laugh yeah. because he's laughing. <laughs> yeah, and everybody is really good at what they're supposed to do. Like, his friend is just like, all right, so you're the tall, dumb guy. Like, got it, <laughs> you know, and... You're the, uh, I can't quite tell if, like, the guy who runs the girls' camp, like, they haven't converged yet, but obviously it's all coming together. He's kind of got that sort of gay camp sort of thing going on, but he's also always making his double entendres are like, I'm at a girls' school and and I keep saying inappropriate things about the girls. <laughs> I don't know, he's, like, weird. He's on that line, right? I can't quite... yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
yeah. that's as close as this comes to a subtle character, I guess. <laughs> that you can't for sure say if he's gay or not. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so there's the halfway. Let's, I guess, go grab okay. something to eat. And this is our, our intermission. I'm going to put in the uh, intermission music from... Uh, from the Holy Grail in here because it's uh, okay. <laughs> it's very catchy intermission music and then we'll be back. Definitely cartoony, right? I didn't expect that as the grand finale is that the uh, annoying old mom shows up at the campsite. Oh, I've been so worried about you. So they just release a, a goat or whatever and it chases her away. <laughs> That's the end of the movie. <laughs> so it's weird because I guess, I guess the, the, I guess the plot was just that James and his friend wanted to get laid. So at the end, finally, things have happened that their own girlfriends will finally have sex with them. It's an awful lot to go through. But what else I thought was funny is, because that's kind of the vague plot, but in a way, the only actual plot that happened was like seven minutes before the movie ended, where next door, you know, in the next field over, there's this big band that sets up and it's fucking shit up for everybody. And they have to arrange this elaborate, like, method where every character from all these disparate storylines comes together to help ruin this get festival. Rid of that, get rid of that hippie party. <laughs> but it's just funny that that happened, like, because, you know, I guess that's kind of like the, you know, we got to save the rec center, or we got to do whatever in these movies. But this one they waited till the bitter end they're like there's no plot to this movie (laughs) real quick let's just throw something in but yeah no it was good i would give that a big thumbs up because i was thinking back to uh you know like comedy is one of those things that especially is kind of era defined you know like what used to be funny isn't funny anymore and especially once they got to uh you know like all the characters are together in this campsite for the second half of the movie so you've got all the hot girls from the girls school are at the campsite with uh, Dirty Sid James and his, his creepy ways. And there's the classic, like, knot hole, like, hole in the shower so he can peek through. So that made me think back to all those, like, 80s movies, like um, Revenge of the Nerds, say. That's like, if you go back to it now, it's, like, a little funny. But it's not that funny, you know? Like, you'll be sitting there for, like, 20 minutes without laughing easy. And then if you go back earlier than that, back to the 70s, is uh, Animal House. Animal House is so famous and so not funny. I don't know that there's a single joke in that whole fucking movie. So I always just kind of thought like, yeah, maybe old comedy just isn't funny. But then you go back 10 more years to this and we laughed a shit ton of times. Like, that's really funny. It's just so corny. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, corny is better than than not funny, (laughs) you know? So yeah, I got to give it a thumbs up. It's good. Yeah, it, it was uh, it was very very enjoyable, and it had exactly what I was expecting it to have. It had all the sexy girls which showing tits and ass. Even that though, I'm surprised that that opening scene where they're in the theater watching the movie about the nudist camp was so nudity filled. Because really, the rest of the movie, they really were more careful to you know yeah. keep things covered. Yeah, they really didn't have any nudity after that. They yeah. had, they just had this suggestion of it, lots of it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, this is a bit strange, but I guess it's a good way too to uh, 
you know, because I guess you kind of know. Well, that's what's interesting, too, is like this era was just different because uh, I watched a documentary once about just the history. It was that guy, Ron Jeremy. He's a really famous porn actor. If you saw him, you'd probably know him. Everyone knows him. He's so famous. But his career goes back far enough that his early movies were like actual movies. You know, there's like footage of him in like a World War One plane pretending to fly it. But it's a porn movie because before the VCR, like if you wanted to see tits on a screen, you had to go to the movie theater. <laughs> so so this is obviously not a porn movie, but even porn movies back then had to be movies. <laughs> you know, they had to have actual this plots. Is, OK, when they were when they were talking about those uh, those postcards saucy that's saucy is the best way you can explain this saucy body jokes they're not offensive they're not uh, dirty in the mind that you think that sex might be dirty it's it's not dirty it's just good fun and you can show little like the girls at school going around with little shorties on little hardly anything on losing their tops occasionally but then covering up and the, <laughs> the, the knot hole in the wall where you know you obviously if you put your imagination you'd be seeing quite a bit through that knot hole but even that stuff though like the you know really short shorts and the top flying off was all that the babs chick barbara whoever i mean she's easily in her 30s you know she's not like they're exploiting yeah. some young actress <laughs> you know? and it's all done in a sense of good fun so you don't you, you don't find it offensive at all. Yeah, it, it really is those postcards come to life. Like yeah. it, that really was an accurate way to describe it. Is though it's like because it's all really stereotypical characters. Or I was saying to you as we watch it that Sid James is somewhat like a real person. He's just he's one got a one track mind, but he acts like a human. No one else does. Everyone else is like here's your one joke and you just do that. But. But yeah, and my favorite guy, I had to look him up just so I'd know. Everyone, it turns out an easy way to tell which actor is which character is just their name. All of them, it's like, it's their first name in real life is the, always their character's name. But uh, yeah, Kenneth Williams, the guy who ran the girls' school, his just, his overacting was so 100% of the time, he never didn't do it. And that made me like him a lot. I'm just like, now that's dedication to like, he always pulls a weird face and he always over delivers every line. And yeah, I, I respect that. <laughs> you know, that's good. But so we were saying how it's some of the sitcoms on TV, like, okay, Hancock's Half Hour, that if you watch them all, you would get to kind of connect with that character and accept him for what he is. Those carry on movies, all those characters act that same way right. in all of those movies so you so people would get so that they'd be looking forward to seeing another carry on movie because you'd see those characters again yeah because the other guy charles something charlie in this movie those. but because he was the other skinny knock-kneed <laughs> british guy but yeah like there must be an established history of that guy's character because he doesn't if you just take this movie by itself He's just wandering into everyone else's life and just kind of fucking with their shit. And no one would ever put up with it, except that obviously he does that in every movie. That's probably the only downside is that since that's on everybody's top five and was voted the number one carry on movie. You know, I bet if we watched all of the top ones, they'd be good. But if you just decided you were going to sit down and watch all 30, I bet you'd have some rough days. I bet some of them are probably. But it is surprising, too, how uh, because, yeah, I think the last big run of these was it was like uh, epic movie was the superhero one and date movie was the date one and they just they just weren't funny they just weren't good but they still made a bunch of them and yeah it's just it's harder than it seems I probably said this during the other break but 
Or, or another example is like the guys uh, that show Angel. There was an episode where Cordelia gets a job on a sitcom, so they had to make a fake sitcom for her to be on. And they, the writers said like, man, we didn't realize how hard it is to write a sitcom. Because like every line, even if it's not funny, it has to be funny enough to justify a laugh track. Every fucking line. And uh, yeah, that's, that's not easy. <laughs> you know, that's tough to do. And yeah, this movie really didn't ever like let the ball drop no matter whether it was a good joke or bad almost doesn't matter just every scene ended with something you know just to keep it going and they all played off each other very well they were exaggerated some of the facial expressions that came out of that were just so exaggerated but they fit they worked which is funny because that's the opposite of leslie nielsen right like he's also super hilarious but because he was a dramatic actor and he was so he never cracked. He never showed her facial expressions. So it's funny. It's like you go one way or the other and you're gold. You do some mealy middle thing, it's not going to work. Oh, the other thing, guys, that stood out to me, the one guy's plot that was actually kind of lame is the, uh, the hen-packed husband, where his resolution to his plot was that just one of the cute girls from the girls' school is just like, hey, everyone else is gone. You seem cool. Let's go fuck. And then once they do that, now he's assertive and he can take charge of his life. Which was pretty. That and was his wife. <laughs> yeah, that was easily the lamest part of it. But but even that, I feel like kind of what it made me think of again with like just different uh, social mores and different cultures is those like uh, page three girls. Is that what it's called in England? Like in just in the newspaper, the page three girl is just a hot chick with no top on. It's just in the newspaper. <laughs> you know. Let me look that up because uh, I mean it's o- that. obviously not in the. Uh, the most fancy pants newspapers, but I'm sure I've heard of that as a thing. So it's probably more like your more rag (laughs) newspaper. Page three was a British newspaper tradition of publishing a large image of a topless female glamour model on the third page of mainstream red top tabloids. The Sun introduced page three in 1970, which boosted its circulation considerably, leading to other tabloids imitating the feature. I never heard of it. Yeah, and again, it's just one of those things that it seems so wild to us, you know, living next door to the uh, puritanical America, that that could ever be a thing. But in England, you know, yeah, it was just a thing. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, see, so, so they're kind of not, they don't seem to be real hung up about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Or, or it's kind of like, too, if you've ever seen um, news in, uh, like, Mexico, Mexican newscasters are the hottest women you'll ever see in your life. <laughs> and yeah, because then, because I guess it makes sense. It's like, I don't know, we want people to watch the news and this will help them watch the news. We just have something here in North America where we're like, oh, couldn't do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've got the, the, the moral majority, that uh, morality, uh, puritanical upbringing or whatever. Yeah, we, we have a real hang up about this kind of stuff, but they don't. They yeah. just seem to, and then they can put it out there and laugh at it and and nobody's offended by it well if they are offended by it then they get a problem but, yeah. but the majority of the world is not offended by this stuff yeah or it's like well i even feel like in north america probably most people you know when people complain or write in letters and oh i'm complaining it probably still is a minority it's just for whatever reason we listen <laughs> Where they're just like no thank you it's uh, you can have your but they're famous for it because okay benny hill is a perfect example of it right um monty python like they're they're just full of this same kind of thing light-hearted um sex sells in it and they 
they use it to their benefit. Yeah, whereas I guess like with us, it's like maybe that's why like marriage with children was such a revolution here, but that didn't happen till like the mid 80s <laughs> before we finally had the balls to make a show where people <laughs> make a sex joke. Yeah. I mean, they kind of did, I guess, with like Mr. Roper and Three's Company and like there'd always be he'd think he'd overhear you know, what's that? You know, I mean, they kind of had it. But yeah, it, they were starting, but it wasn't as, this is real obvious stuff. Yeah. They just put this right out there. And you take it or leave it. And then I guess, yeah, the other thing I, I would say to uh, compliment this is, yeah, since we've never watched a whole movie, you know, that's at least twice as long, if not three, four times as long as the stuff we usually watch. So I was like, I hope this isn't just a, a long ass day where I brought in something that's way too long, but that went by so <laughs> fast. That was an easy watch. So... <laughs> Yeah, carry on. If if you happen to have be listening to this and you haven't seen them, as I had not, you should you should go watch them. Because yeah, and like I was saying, like I've delved into a lot of the famous comedy movies of the past, and yeah, it's it's surprising how often they're just not funny. So yeah, you'd be better off with Carry On, I say. And as I told you when we were out uh, taking our little break there, some of the early ones are really really good. They're in black and white. Carry On Nurse, Carry On Doctor, Carry On. Oh, I don't even remember the names of them. Um, the other one that a lot of people brought up, it is later when they had color, but uh, carry on the Kyber Pass or up the Kyber Pass. That's like a, a Cleopatra one. Apparently that one's really good too. That's the other like critical top list. So I never did come up with a good way to wrap these up. <laughs> we don't have like a snappy sign off or anything. Snappy sign off phrase. Although neither did they. Like... Uh, let's just chase off the old lady with a goat and then everyone goes into their tents to have yeah. sex <laughs> at the end. <laughs> the 